It is the Colby Daniels Podcast on a Thursday, which means Will Brewer joins me recapping last week's UFC pay-per-view and previewing Saturday night. Will Brewer, what is happening, my friend? You know, when we talked Sunday, um, you know, we hadn't really hit the the real world yet. You know, we kind of just had to digest everything and uh, we did a show immediately after. So it was kind of like our reactions, but we hadn't really hit, you know, the real world yet uh, to see what the, you know, other people really thought about the fight. So as soon as I get to work Monday morning and this happened, this every single day this week at work, I've, I've talked about Conor McGregor. But Same. I got to tell you, man, the uh, the support for that man is incredible because when you t- when you uh, hear these people talk about what how they felt the fight was going and everything like that, it's just like, man, what fight were you watching? I, I guess <laughs> I don't know, man, but I just know hitting the real world. I'm like, wow, kind of he's really got some supporters out here. <laughs> Well, it's funny to me because I've encountered that, but I've also encountered, and I've actually, I think I've encountered more people that say, Connor's done, he's washed up, he never needs to fight again, it's time to retire, the guy's no longer relevant in the UFC, and uh, yeah, I think, I've, I think I've had more of those than the Connor was winning the fight type response. Now... I would have liked to encounter some of those people just yeah. so I could say some really positive things about Connor. Right, so I right. feel like I feel like I've been talking kind of down on Connor, and that's not it at all. I mean, I think Connor's great. You know, he's the biggest superstar of all, uh, ever. You know, I'll, I'll always watch the Connor McGregor fight. But then again, it's just like, do you really think that that's how the fight was going? Like, ah, but we'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we'll hit it again. <laughs> I, I love, though, this is this is what's great about sports is it's all about perspective, right? And if you think Connor won the fight and you're having this conversation with me, then it sounds like I'm really down on Connor McGregor the way I'm going to respond. But if right. you think Connor McGregor is washed up, then you're going to think I'm a Connor McGregor fan the exactly. way I'm going to respond. Because, you know, and I kind of blame first take for all of this. <laughs> sports opinions... In 2021, and it it started well before this year, but sports opinions in this current era that we're in are either all in one way or all in the other way, and rarely does anybody think that there's anything in the middle. Um, Once again, the you know life is not black and white. Life is lived in a gray area, and uh, just you know the UFC is no different. Conor McGregor was not winning that fight, but Conor McGregor is also. Not washed up, and he's not done by any means. And everyone thinks that it has to be a debate. Like, you really can't be in the middle. Right. And the, the even crazy thing, you say it's always one side or the other, but it's always an extreme case. Like, yeah. either Connor's the greatest thing in the world or LeBron James is the best player ever. Yeah. But if you say Conor McGregor's washed up or if you say that Conor McGregor's just, you know, not elite – that doesn't mean that he sucks or anything right. like that. It just means that right. he, we, I just don't think that he's just as elite as he was four years ago. That's, that's not a problem. To, if, if LeBron James is the second or third greatest basketball player in the world or uh, of all time, that does not mean that he sucks, right? Amen! So. Amen! For some reason, right. we, got, we got caught in this, this sports argument world where if you're debating whether Michael Jordan or LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time, the guy that you are not 
like making your case for, for some reason, you have to make it sound like that guy's the worst player that ever played the game. Right. Like, if we can all unanimously agree these are the best two, then you're picking one, but you're making the other one sound like he's the most garbage player that's ever played the game. Like, it's, I, I, I don't understand it, but it's, it's the way that, that people have decided to, I mean, do this sports talk thing. And here we are, we're doing it with Conor McGregor, right? The most polarizing, most popular UFC athlete of all time. He was either winning that first round, Will, or he's done and never needs to fight again. And it doesn't seem like there's anything in between. When, when really the answer to this is it's all in between. Absolutely. Like, I mean, everything that happened with Conor McGregor, I mean, he went out there in the first round. I mean, we'll get into the fight and stuff later. But, I mean, all of it, it it's not – you can't define that fight from an, a very extreme take. It, it's not that Conor won that round or Conor's just done. It's all in that gray area. It's all in the middle. There's, you know, the fight didn't end um, with answers, really. There's still so many questions that uh, go into that. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I, I'm glad that um, I'm not the only person that likes to be in that gray area, that doesn't, that likes to, uh, that doesn't like to be so extreme when it comes to, to a take. Yeah, well, it's just called using common sense and reason. Uh, right. And, you know, I think everybody... It, I, I say this all the time in sports, people want to deal in absolutes and there, the problem with that is there is an exception to every rule. There just is. So, uh, you know, it just, it, everybody wants to deal in it's this way or that way. And there, you know, there's never anything that can be one way or the other. And, and that's just not uh, reality at all. So, um, it's, it's why I have such a big problem with, you know, the, Stephen A. Smith's and the Skip Bayless's of the world because they did this to us. They put us in this space where instead of having intelligent conversations about what really happens, we have to decide whether LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time or whether he doesn't deserve to ever put on high tops again and play on a basketball team. Yeah, and then when, when Stephen A. came over to MMA, his take about Cowboy Cerrone rubbed people the wrong way because it was so extreme, so like yeah. one-sided just... Yeah. He quit. He he went out there and he quit. It's just like, yeah. whoa, Stephen A., relax. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a difference between going out there and having a bad night. Connor went out there uh, and just really stole the show, really, uh, instead of just going out there and looking at Cowboy and just saying that he quit. Because yeah. we, everyone who really is a hardcore MMA fan knows that quitting is the, is the last thing uh, that Cowboy Cerrone represents. Well, let's, let's hit the fight. I, I don't know... If you feel any differently today as you did on Sunday, about 12 hours after the fight took place when we recorded our immediate reaction, um, everything I said on Sunday, I, I, I feel uh, we pretty much nailed. So um, we'll, we'll hit it again. But speaking of Stephen A. Smith, let me throw this out there. And I'm actually going to say something positive, maybe for the first time ever. So you may be shocked that I'm about to actually say a positive thing about Stephen A. Smith. But I, I do think Stephen A. Smith nailed it in the post-fight, uh, post-show, or whatever the hell they call that thing on ESPN, but he basically said that Conor McGregor is done fighting at an elite level as far as, you know, I think throwing in that conversation about being among the, you know, the championship-worthy contenders. Now, that's not to say that Conor won't ever be in that conversation. I, I think Conor is always one big knockout away from being in that conversation, but being in that conversation will and actually... 
deserving to be in the same breath as the guys right now that are at the top of 155, I think, are are two different things. So while I don't think it's out of the question at all that Conor McGregor once again might be fighting for a, a championship at 155, I also don't think that it's going to go his way if he's fighting Charles Oliveira in the next year or two or Dustin Poirier again in the next year or two or Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler. I, I think there is just a pretty sizable gap, in my opinion, as to how well-rounded those guys are as far as being mixed martial artists and what Conor McGregor is. And once again, I I firmly believe that Conor McGregor hasn't lost anything. I don't think Conor McGregor is a different fighter than he was when he was a two-division champion. I don't think Conor McGregor is any less of a fighter as he was when he was the, you know, and he still is, but when he was fighting regularly, and the face of the UFC. He's still the face of the UFC, but um, the difference is he just he hasn't improved over that time period, and everybody else has. And the bottom line is, even though he's not worse, everybody else just got so much better that there, there, there just became a big gap between the Dustin Poiriers and the Conor, the Conor McGregors. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there, man. Uh, Conor taking all that time in between winning the championship and then uh, his actual fight with Khabib and everything. Like, there's so much of MMA that's evolved since Conor McGregor became a double champion. I mean, a lot of that, um, I mean, credit to him because uh, uh, people knew that they had to get better. Um, people started using calf kicks and uh, and so many different techniques, uh, new techniques with striking and, uh, and grappling and everything. We're seeing... Um, new things um, every like every few months we're seeing something new like man like man I haven't seen that before and Connor's Connor goes out there uh, we know what he's going to bring to the table that big left um, we know that uh, he's got a, a, a crazy in and out uh, karate base uh, but outside of that that's just how it's always been and he's yeah. fought guys who kind of um, who kind of need to get inside and who will allow Connor to be at his at his best. So a lot of favorable matchups for him. But um, when it comes to the, the best guys who can mix it up, who can take punches, who can drag you into the deep waters, I haven't seen Connor uh, fight a guy and beat a guy like that yet. I mean, Nate Diaz, uh, that's, that was his only five-round fight that went the distance. And Nate's going to bring you the, the same fight every time. Right but now he's fight he's fighting against guys now, uh, Dustin Poirier, uh, Khabib, who can beat you in, in many different ways, and that's just how it is when you're when you're fighting at the top of the UFC and such a at 155, which is the greatest division at this point uh, in in the UFC's history. So, um, Conor McGregor he hasn't gotten any worse, but like you said, just everyone has just gotten so much better. And Dustin is is the perfect example of that because 2015, 2014, when Conor and Dustin fought, like that guy that Dustin that Conor fought and knocked out, is not even recognizable to me. Yeah, uh, I don't even recognize who that person is. Such a different fighter, um, a guy who's uh, come out fought and fought champions and uh, the baddest dudes on the planet uh, for for years and. That's why when the second fight was announced and, the, and we were uh, making our picks for that fight, we both were so confident in Dustin Poirier because yeah. he had been active. He had been through the wars. So 
And and Connor, you know, he he's made out he made his money. Uh, he's a superstar. He's always going to be a superstar. But unless he finds a way to close that gap of octagon time and skill and uh, IQ and all that stuff, uh, it's going to continue to to be. Uh, he's going to struggle with these uh, guys who are well rounded. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's just tough for. And I would I would put this on anybody in the UFC. To not be active for the amount of time that Conor McGregor has not been active and expect that you are going to be just as good as your peers over that period of time, to me, is insane. But let's also look at it from the sport perspective. First of all, MMA in general feels like a completely different sport in 2021 than it did in 2016. When, right. when Conor McGregor won the lightweight title. That was five years ago, Will. Like, it doesn't even feel like the same sport. Like, the fights that we're watching every weekend are different fights than we were watching five years ago. Like all sports, it evolves. And when you don't evolve with it, you get left behind. And secondly, let's talk about the talent level and the depth of the UFC in 2021 versus 2016. I don't even think... Five years ago, it was anywhere close to where it is today as far as the overall talent and the depth at every single weight division. It's it's night and day. And then I, I was asked this question uh, yesterday by my buddy Aaron Davis, and, and I wanted to bring this up with you because I think it, it, it's an interesting conversation. Aaron is a, a casual, what we would call a casual, right? He, he watches... Like, if Conor McGregor's on a card, he's going to watch a Conor McGregor fight. He probably watches three or four big pay-per-view cards a year, and that's about it. Uh, so he knows the big names of the sport, but he doesn't follow it week to week. He asked about the divisions, and especially the top of the divisions. Like, are we at this period where everybody at the top of every division is really well-rounded? Because he was talking about how, like, the UFC he knew was like, you get into a title fight, and it's like, a guy that does karate against a wrestler, right? And like that was that was like kind of the draw was because these guys had completely different disciplines and it was like what discipline is going to win? And while there is still some of that, at the top of these divisions, these guys are so well-rounded. It's not like it's not like it used to be. It's not a, you know, a guy that's just going to kick you versus a guy that's just going to take you down. The top like handful of guys in every division will are guys that can do multiple things. Well, like that's the other thing that's, that's night and day different about the UFC today than five years ago. Yeah, that's a very interesting conversation because I can remember, um, when I first started watching the sport, uh, there was your, you had your, I'm going to use the light heavyweight division from back in the day. You had rampage who was, uh, a good boxer. You right. had Machida, who was the karate guy. Right. You had Randy Couture, who was the wrestler. Um, so it, when you match these guys up, when you match up uh, Rampage and uh, a Chuck Liddell or something like that, you had your you had your styles and everything. And then you and then you bring in a guy like John Jones to 205, who's a good wrestler, a, a good striker. He was wiping these guys out. And it's just like, man, John Jones is special. Why is he so special? Because he can not only wrestle, but at everything. But he is good at everything. Now you fast forward to 2021 and in the lightweight division. Like, Khabib is is a different case because his style is so dominant 
like Joe Rogan always says that wrestling is the most important uh, uh, skill to have. Khabib is, is a different case. But when right. you look at these guys at the top of the division, like Dustin Poirier, who we both think is the, the number one lightweight in the world, he is a good boxer. He is a good wrestler. He is good at jujitsu. Like he is elite at everything. And that's just yeah. what all these divisions, the guys at the very top, they're so good everywhere. Like they have their base, but it's starting to it's starting to become a thing where their base, they make their base just as good as everything else. Yeah. So you got like Kamaru Usman, he's a wrestler, but now we're starting to look at him getting these knockouts and stuff like, man. Um, he's won fights by submission. Uh, his wrestling is, is top level. His striking is starting to come around. Right. Uh, so like now you look at these guys, there's, there's, there's not many guys that just have a, a single skill that just overwhelms people. There's, there's a few people who are just different. Israel Adesanya, he's different. You sure. Know, yeah. Kickboxing, he's different. Once but, again, exceptions to every rule. The exceptions to every rule, but uh, nine times out of 10, there's in these divisions, these guys are so well-rounded. Like Max Holloway, he's an exception to the rule. He he'll he's yeah. a guy who will welcome a stand-up fight and not, but he's got submissions too. He just never really uses them. Right. So at the top of these divisions, man, like like we're saying, man, just these guys are getting so good at every single skill. And Conor McGregor, man, uh, his left is lethal. He he's an elite striker, but that's not going to be enough nowadays. But if you if you approach him cautiously out of the gate in the the minutes that he's at his deadliest, if you approach him cautiously, don't fall for the trap and get knocked out, then what what else does Connor have? There's not a lot of other... I mean, you know what his game plan is going to be and what he's going to try to do. And when that doesn't work, what else does he have? The answer is he doesn't have much. He tried for a guillotine halfway through the first round after making a big deal about only wanting, like counting knockouts. Like that, he just doesn't have anything else. Like that's the problem. And everybody else at the top of these divisions can beat you in multiple ways. Five years ago, if we were doing these shows every week, Will, we wouldn't be talking about like this guy can win this way, this way. It's it's literally like at that point in time, this guy's probably only going to win with this path. And that's what separates, and I'm just going to use an example, the Kevin Hollins of the world from the guys that are the elite in these divisions. Kevin Holland standing up with anybody in his division could win. But what separates Kevin Holland from being, you know, a top five championship contender is being well-rounded. And and that's just what you see at the top of these divisions. It's guys that certainly specialize in one area, but they've worked really hard in all the other areas not to be exposed. It, it makes him, like, sticking with Kevin Holland, it makes him a completely different fighter. Like, we view him completely different. Like, if... If he's going out there like with the, the Vittori fight, he goes out there and he stands with them for the first round. He's like, we're like, oh, man, Kevin Holland, he could, you know, he could probably do something in this yeah. division. And then you look at rounds two through five when he's on his back. You're just like, yeah, Kevin Holland, he's probably top 15 at best. You know, he's got a lot of work to do. But if you just go out there and you just uh, look at Kevin Holland for that first round, just look at his striking, you know, you see the potential. You see how good that he could be. But. I mean, it, it's mixed martial arts. We call it, it's MMA for a reason. You yeah. know, you can't just go out there and strike. And, you know, Conor McGregor, uh, he's learning that the hard way. Uh, unless he closes that gap, and it, it, I don't know how he's going to do it, uh, especially in Ireland. I don't really know, like, how many uh, good training partners he's going to have to really help him with wrestling and help him with jujitsu and that type of thing. 
But uh, unless he uh, finds a way to close that gap or just to make it really tough for people to take him down or make it really tough um, uh, on the feet and everything, it's just it's just going to be tough for Connor. Not to yeah. say that he can't do it because when Connor was hungry, we saw uh, a Connor McGregor who stormed through the featherweight division. But these guys are bigger. These guys are better. So Conor McGregor is going to have to go into uh, go back to the drawing board and uh, see if he can close that gap. Yeah, he's still dangerous against anybody in that division, and especially in the early rounds because he has the ability to knock you out. But again, if that doesn't if it doesn't go that way, there's just such a separation between the rest of the elite guys and and him that that I don't think he's in my mind, in that same tier of elite 155-er. Now, are there top 15 guys that I think he could beat? Sure. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just I don't see him in the same class as Gaethje and Chandler and Poirier and Oliveira. And, look, I, I would love to see a, a, a Dariush McGregor fight, but I think Dariush is also another guy that's just so well-rounded that I think he would be a big problem for Connor. Um, now, Dariush also likes to get into those wars, and that might be dangerous. Maybe he gets knocked out because he has a tendency to to want to brawl, and that plays into Connor's strength. But um, if he fights a smart fight, he's another guy that I think beats Connor McGregor just because he has more in the bag. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't see where, even if that fight extends into the second round or beyond where it's it's much different than what we saw in the first round. Connor has a puncher's chance without a doubt. Um, Connor could land a big shot and and you know that's always something with Connor McGregor that is there and potentially he could win the fight at any any point because he has the ability to knock you out. But I just don't see where the fight is drastically different barring, you know, one lucky shot uh, because I you know Dustin was after Dustin allowed Connor to kind of do his thing out of the gate, he pieced him up when they stood up. He got out of the guillotine. The ground and pound was dominant. And uh, I think, once again, Dustin Poirier is just miles ahead of Connor McGregor as far as MMA. Yeah. And I went back and I watched it, and I just realized just how elite uh, his IQ was because. Connor went out, came out in the first round, did his thing in the, in the first minute and a half, and Dustin never looked rattled. He never, right. he never um, went away from the game plan. He still just went out there. Okay, I'm gonna let you do your thing. You're gonna kick my leg. I'll kick your leg. Uh, I'm still gonna settle into the fight. This is still gonna be my fight. You can come out here and you can overexert yourself, but at the end of the day, I still know what I'm doing. This is still gonna be my fight. And uh, when I when I find the opportunities, I'm gonna I'm gonna take them. And when Dustin just landed that combination, like you could just see Connor was stunned and then Connor uh, grabbed a hold of him. Connor initiated uh, the grappling. That's that lets you know that he was hurt. Uh, and he went for a guillotine. That lets you know he was hurt and he needed some time uh, to, to gather himself. Dustin didn't let him do that. Um, uh, even though Connor's guillotine, you know, everyone's making a big deal about that. But, you know, Dustin wasn't rattled. You know, he, he's a jujitsu guy. Uh, he All he did was just go to the other side, which was uh, which is common. Uh, so but, and then once he got uh, top position, he just started raining down yeah. punches and elbows and everything. And um, uh, so, some of my friends were telling me, like, uh, I don't think Connor was taking much damage. I was just like, whoa. What? I was like, OK. 
I was like, okay, so his his ear was leaking for 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 nothing, like that just happened, right? And I'm like, well, well, okay, yeah. I mean, I'll agree, it wasn't a 10-8 round. I'll give uh, I'll give Connor that. That wasn't a 10-8 round. That was a 10-9. Um, Dustin didn't do enough to warrant the 10-8, but Dustin definitely, clearly, easily won that round. He dominated the round. He dominated yeah. the round. I mean, it was close. Like, I'm not mad at the 10-8. But I wouldn't have scored it that myself. But uh, and then uh, they were like, "Yeah, but that second round, though, boy, Connor was gonna get him if he wouldn't." So I'm just like, "That's just that's an excuse, dude." He, here's my uh, thing: anybody that says Connor was gonna get him in the second round is clearly not really a Connor McGregor fan because you've not watched Connor McGregor <laughs> ever. If you think Connor McGregor was gonna get him in the second round, like Connor McGregor's either gonna win in the first. Or he's probably going to get hurt. Right. He fades. Like, bottom line, we've seen... How many times does a guy have to fight in the octagon for you to believe, like... Look, again, there's there are always exceptions to the rule. So, you know, maybe this was the one time that goes completely against everything else we've ever seen. But Conor McGregor fades after the first, and Dustin gets stronger. So, so for anybody to think that that fight was going to go any better for Conor McGregor again outside of landing maybe one big shot I, I just I just don't think you've ever actually watched Conor McGregor consistently yeah man just you know and the first round was just so hectic you know he spent a lot of time on his back he spent a lot of time taking punches before that he was uh exerting a lot of energy he was exhausted with, with his strikes and stuff yeah yeah so I think he was he would have been more exhausted going into the second round of that fight than what we've seen in previous fights. So, I mean, he probably would have came out aggressive still, but I mean, just after that, after his early onslaught, I think it he just would have hit the it, shit just would have hit the fan really fit really yeah. fast for him again. Yeah. Dustin probably would have took him down or Dustin would have hurt him, but there's nothing in that fight outside of the few uh leg kicks that he landed. Um, I don't really think he he did much damage with his punches to Dustin. I, I think Dustin didn't fear Connor's punching power anymore. So uh, yeah, it, I didn't like it going forward for Connor at all. Yeah. All right, let's hit the co-main event: Gilbert Burns over Stephen Thompson. Uh, Will I had all three rounds for Gilbert Burns in this fight. Um, I, this was really impressive for me. Um, it, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson is maybe the most difficult puzzle to figure out in that division. And I'm not saying he's the best, but he is a difficult puzzle to figure out. And Gilbert Burns, I thought handled everything wonder boy throughout there uh, with relative ease. Right. I mean, this didn't look like a really difficult fight for Gilbert Burns. And I picked, I, I picked wonder boy to win. So I, I could not have been more wrong and massive props to Gilbert Burns and what he accomplished. Yeah, Gilbert Burns looked amazing, man. You can just see everything that he worked on in training camp. It just translated over to the fight. Um, Wonderboy looked kind of gun shy a little bit. Uh, He didn't really uh, throw much, but I think that just goes to what Gilbert Burns was was, uh, showing him. Uh, He had a really low stance. Um, You you had to respect uh, Gilbert's explosions. So I think uh, Wonderboy was being really cautious, but uh, I think uh, Gilbert... For the first time, uh, Wonderboy got trapped in his own game. Uh, Gilbert went out there, uh, was able to take him down. 
And then after that, it just, it just made it really tough for for Wonderboy to be a counter striker because he was down. And so uh, Gilbert knew like he had, he's got to come forward now. He's got to come to me, and that just made it easier for him to get takedown. Yeah. So um, that normally doesn't happen to Wonderboy. So I, I had Wonderboy in this fight too. I thought it was going to be an easy uh, thirty twenty seven for Wonderboy. I thought he was going to pick him apart from the outside, but yeah. Gilbert made it uh, really difficult for Wonderboy to ever get started. So uh, props to Gilbert, man. After a loss to the champ like he took. Uh, go out there and shut down Wonder Boy. That is a big win. Gilbert did to Wonder Boy what I thought Wonder Boy was going to do to Gilbert, and that was just frustrate him from the beginning and never never allow him to really find his rhythm. And I and I thought uh, I thought Gilbert's quickness was a big problem for Wonder Boy. I, I don't. I I just felt like Wonder Boy's timing was never right because Gilbert was just so quick. Yeah, you know. A lot of these guys uh, kind of just get into a habit of standing there and watching uh, Wonder Boy because you never know when uh, the kicks are coming. You never know when he's going to make an, an explosive move. Uh, but Gilbert took the fight to him, and uh, for the first time, um, he really made Wonder Boy have to have to think about his think really hard about his about his moves that he was going to make. So, uh, yeah, huge props to Gilbert. His quickness was was crazy. Uh, you can you can tell like his explosiveness uh, really really made it tough for Wonder Boy, uh, and moving forward, man, I think uh, if he continues to fight like that and continues to improve on his IQ and stuff, uh, Gilbert could uh, see another title shot in the future. Absolutely. All right, Ty Tuivasa and Greg Hardy heavyweights. It lasted a total of sixty-seven seconds. Will uh, this was this was awesome for as long as it lasted. <laughs> Greg Hardy is. We talked about this last week, like. He's a monster name, and you know it's it's obviously because of the football. It's because of the legal troubles. Uh, but people are interested in watching Greg Hardy fight in the octagon. Uh, he had a nice moment until he didn't, and uh, right. wow, tied to Ivasa, really impressive in the shot. I've watched this knockout about ten times, and I still like it's baffling to me. This wasn't like a reach down and come all the way around and knock him out. Like, I felt like this punch traveled a total of, like, five inches. Like, it didn't feel like there was... And it crumbled Greg Hardy like a skyscraper. It was unbelievable. Right. You know, uh, DC always says, like, it's those punches that you don't see coming that that uh, hurt you the most. Greg Hardy was rushing in. He felt like he had Ty hurt, but Ty just really came up with that left and just, yeah, just crumbled him, man. It was crazy to see because uh, Greg Hardy's taking he's taking shots really well in the UFC, but uh, man, just tied just his timing of that punch, uh, it landed clean, landed perfect, uh, and, and you know we were joking around about this fight being on the main card. You know we thought like there were there could have been other fights on the prelims that could have took this fight that took this fight's place, but heavyweights, uh, especially uh, heavyweights with the style that these two guys have. I mean, fireworks. And uh, yeah. that's basically, that's exactly what we saw with these two. Uh, it lasted 67 seconds. It's just what what you want a heavyweight fight to be. Uh, just just chaos, just heavy heavy hands, guys going at it. So uh, credit to Tai Tuivasa and uh, the, the shoeys, all those shoeys that he did. Uh, One with hot sauce, by the way, which uh, oh, yeah. I don't yeah, think he, he liked he too was- much. <laughs> He didn't like that one too much, but yeah, <laughs> it was so funny seeing him. 
just he got on the cage yeah. and he reminded me of Stone Cold with he had Absolutely. except he had the shoe with the beard and just all over his face like yeah. yeah. Fan favorite. Uh, how can you and, not like Tai Tuivasa? I mean, he's yeah, just how, as likable as it gets. He's likable. He's got a he's got a likable style, and then he interacts with the fans like that's something. His that nickname you want. is Bam Bam. He he does the shoey like. What's not to like? The guy's yeah, always smiling, like before and after the fight. Always smiling. Always smiling. Uh, he's just got a really welcoming personality, so it's hard not to like him. Uh, I think he's going to get a top 15 guy next. This is a big win on a, on a big card, so uh, everything's looking right for Ty, man. He's, he's made the necessary adjustments after losing two or three in a row, and now uh, I think he's uh, going to get a top 15 guy next. What's next for Greg Hardy in your mind? Is he... If- Look, I st- I, even with the loss, I, I, he's still going to be a draw, so I, I think you still have to give him worthy opponents because his name is at least big enough that you want to at least share some of that spotlight with somebody else that may be emerging, or or I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that Greg Hardy puts you over the top, but he does in a way because so many people are interested in, in what he's going to do. Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, he was being um brought along kind of slow at first and then bam he takes a short notice fight against alexander volkov and then i i feel like since then uh he i mean he fought i think he fought like uh jorgen de castro and like maurice green and those type of guys so i think you want to take him back to those to, to that level and see if he can get like on a streak of knockouts and stuff because, I mean, these guys that he's been losing to, Volkov, um, he lost to Tibera, uh, Tai Tuavasa, these guys, these are all really, really talented fighters that he's fighting. It's just, you know, I think Greg Hardy's still very green in the sport, and I think he needs more time against some of these guys to really gain his confidence and everything. So, um, I don't know if he has that uh, amount of time, because uh, it kind of seems like Dana White's kind of uh, contemplating if he wants to keep him around, but... Uh, he's still a big name. People will watch him. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, I guess if if he's wanting more money than you want to pay him, I, I don't know why you would get rid of him. Um, heavyweights are hard to find anyway. He is at least a threat to win every time he's in because he has big power, and he's a draw. People want to watch him. Like, I, it's to me, it's a no-brainer. But, you know, again, you don't know the, the political part of it and, you know, how much... The, the paycheck part may play a factor or whatever. I'm not going to pretend to have any idea if that does or doesn't, but um, the, as far as the, the stuff on the surface, it all makes sense that you would, you would keep this guy. Uh, so, anyway. Uh, Arena Aldana and Yana Kunitskaya, uh, Will, this was uh, really impressive for Aldana once again, uh, showing the skills with the fists. Yeah, and she had a lot of things working against her. You know, she missed weight. Uh, you know, oh, like a lot four of times pounds, when, right? Yeah, it was a really bad miss. Uh, you know, a lot of times when fighters go out there and miss weight and and go into the fight, they don't really fight um, to the best of their ability. We saw kind of see like with uh, Diego Fajeda how they kind of drained him early. But Arena Aldana, she did a good job of getting this fight over with early. Uh, she knocked out a really tough. Tough girl and uh, Yana Kunitskaya, who was who was kind of looking like she was on the rise, and uh, I think she was number five, and uh, Aldana was number four. So um, she's going to be looking at uh, those top girls in the division, trying to get a um, trying to get a number one contender fight. 
it just sucks that she missed weight because uh, it was a really uh, good knockout. And, and Dana was talking about giving her a bonus and uh, and all that. So um, it, it takes away from such a big uh, moment, such a big knockout. But uh, I do expect her to have a, a, a big fight next. I, look, if she doesn't miss weight there, I, I don't know that we're not having the conversation about uh, fighting for the title. Yeah. Like that's at least being asked, I would assume. Absolutely. Because she has a style that's just like, okay, Amanda's great and everything, but if she gets caught, like, yeah. you know, that, that, and it would be. And a, it's a style a, that a really the fans want to see as well. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't really see, you don't see many girl fights that end in knockouts. Right. Uh, you, I mean, a lot of these girls, like, we, we see Rose knock people out, Amanda. But when it comes to just like um, the number four, number five contender, you don't really see it happen often. So for Arena Aldana to do it, and this is her second time getting a big knockout on a big card. So, um, yeah, we, we probably would be talking about her having the next title shot if she hadn't missed weight. Yeah. But now I'm, I'm sure she'll probably have to get a, a, another one. But, I mean, Amanda's fighting the number six or seven contender right now, and Aldana's right. number four. So anything can happen. All right, the pay-per-view began with bantamweights Sean O'Malley and Chris Mutino, who took this fight on short notice from Boston. Uh, Will, you were you were on your way to my house to watch this. You were stuck in uh, in traffic. You didn't make it in time to see this. So as soon as the pay-per-view ended, we I I, I was like, you have you have to see this fight. <laughs> so when the pay-per-view ended, we like started it over so you could you could watch Sean O'Malley and Chris Mutino. Um, Good Lord, I don't know that I've ever seen somebody take that kind of punishment in a UFC fight. That was unreal. I had so many moments in that fight where I'm just like, ooh! And, I mean, I know I did that for Dustin and Connor, but for that fight, it happened so many times because Sean O'Malley hit him so many times flush with all parts of his body. He hit him with his fists, knees, uh, head kicks, just like... I don't know how Sean O'Malley was able to just stay locked in because after a while you start to think like, what the hell do I have to do to this guy to get him to go down? I mean, sure, he dropped him at the end of the first round, but then in the second and third round, it just seemed like he just, all the shots that he was taking was just kind of making him stronger or whatever because he just kept moving forward. No matter, he, he takes a head kick and he just continues to move forward. He's smiling at him. like all, And he's taking the, a record um amount of punches and kicks and strikes like Sean O'Malley set a record punching this guy uh with everything that he that he did to him but he just continued to move forward uh I mean that I'm so glad that he got the bonus because this is a fight that he did not have to take uh he took it just to get an opportunity but uh and he made the most of it man just being able to to withstand all that uh credit Credit to that man for sure. Chris Matino uh, probably has the distinction for me of being the toughest human being I've ever seen. I mean, just I I don't like I, I I tweeted this after the first round because they showed the the stats and it was like Sean O'Malley landed like ninety percent of his punches and I was like bullshit, like he didn't miss. Like show me where those misses are. I didn't see the guy miss a punch the entire round. Um, and that happened for, for nearly the entire 15 minutes, everything Sean O'Malley threw Chris Mutino just ate. And we're talking about, this isn't just like 
a guy that touches you. Sean O'Malley puts people to sleep. Like that's what he does. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's not a guy that's just going to to beat you with a lot of action. He he will do that, but he's also going to put you to sleep. And for Chris Martino to eat all of those for for nearly the entire 15 minutes was insane. So not only am I convinced he's the toughest human being alive, I'm also convinced he's the worst defensive fighter in the history of the UFC. <laughs> the guy, like, he didn't try to block anything. Like, maybe he, maybe the t- he's so tough that he's like, I, I, why waste the energy, you know, defending myself when I can just eat all these anyway? But look, the bottom line is, that was un- it was just an unbelievable display of Sean O'Malley landing everything and Chris Matino continuing to walk him down for the entirety of the fight thoughts on the stoppage, because this was, you know, fight night. And I think even over the last several days, I've still seen a lot of people talk about whether this should or should not have been stopped. Okay. So the, the fan in me really wanted to see just, I mean, you, you, you've made it this far. Let's just go to a decision. I mean, he's proved his toughness. Uh, the the fan in me just would have liked to just see this um, continue to go uh, to the to the finish. There's only twenty something seconds left. But then again, you start to think of it as a just as a a, a person. Uh, you know, this pro- this guy probably has a family who's watching this, who has been watching this for the last um, thirteen minutes or whatever. Uh, this fight could have been stopped after the first round. This fight could have been stopped at any point in the second round because Sean O'Malley was pouring it on. I mean, the only thing that the only thing that didn't happen was Chris Martino falling after the first round. If he if he would have fell, I think if he would have got dropped, I think the fight would have been stopped. But yeah. um, the fact that he wasn't and he just kept moving forward, right? I'm sure it made it tough on Herb to be like, I mean, he's still moving forward. I mean, he's not his his guard isn't really that high, but I mean, he's still moving forward. He's acting like these punches aren't affecting him when obviously, if you look at his face, <laughs> these punches are really uh, affecting him. So. Uh, for me, I, I probably would have liked to see it stopped um, after the or in the second round, probably because I mean Sean Malley was just pouring it on. But to stop it with 28 seconds left, I mean I get it. Yeah. You, at the end of the day, you're you, you're trying to protect the fighter, and that and you finally saw enough. But uh, I mean, why did it take so long for you to finally see right. enough when you this has been happening for the last 14 minutes? My problem is. When you tell me, like, if, if I'm asking Herb Dean, like, why did you stop the fight at this point? And the answer is fighter safety. Like, well, shouldn't that have probably happened two minutes before you got to that stage? Like, if you're going to sell me we're stopping this for fighter safety, then, I mean, maybe when Sean O'Malley connected on the 200th punch, <laughs> it should have been stopped. Like, it just, right. to me, the fact that there it got to that point went beyond fighter safety. Like, yeah, you, you can't tell me you're protecting the guy when you let it get to that point first. I will say that the flurry of punches that O'Malley hit him with right as Herb Dean jumped in for the stoppage was pretty vicious. And, and look, I do believe those were probably the hardest punches he took in the entire third round. Uh, so there, there is that to consider, but I just if if we're really gonna be serious about fighter safety and doing it for the good of the fighter, then I mean it kind of felt like that thing probably should have been stopped way before that. If you get to the point where there's 27 seconds left in the fight and the guy is still on his feet and the guy is still walking forward 
and you didn't feel like two minutes before it was at the point that you needed to stop it, then you probably owe it to him to allow him to get to the finish line. Yeah, and you could at least say something. I think I heard this on a, on a different podcast. You could at least say, like, you need to hold your, your defense up higher because, like you said, his defense was was awful. Well, it was, I mean, it was I, non-existent. Yeah, it was, it was non-existent. I mean, he would hold his hands low and, yeah. I mean, just wide open to where Sean O'Malley right. could just connect. To say he had he bad so defense would, would mean that there was defense to be had, and right. that's the thing. It was, there was none. Yeah, there was, there was no defense. Like, when I saw those numbers, like, it was 92% and, like, everything. You don't see numbers like that in the UFC. Like, it was just, it was mind-blowing seeing those numbers. And imagine, only- imagine game five of the NBA Finals this weekend, and, and let's just say the Suns win the tip, and as Chris Paul crosses half court, just imagine all five of the Milwaukee Bucks running to the sideline and then the Suns just walk in for a layup. That that's that's like the comp for the defense that we saw in that fight. Exactly, man. And then if they were to just miss like a random jump shot, that probably was what Sean O'Malley uh, was doing, you know, because all of his all of his strikes were were just seemed like they were landing. He was being yeah. so accurate. Uh, Chris Mutino, he was proved that he was really tough, but. With 28 seconds left, or how, however long it was, yeah, for you to to stop it at that point when when he's been taking this damage for 14 minutes and still moving yeah. forward, and and even though he took a vicious combination that ended with a nasty uppercut, even though he took that, he was still moving forward. So, uh, I mean, respect to Herb for for stopping it, but still, man, yeah, you waited uh, about five for seven minutes too long. It's a tough job. And I don't, uh, I don't envy having to be the person inside an octagon. That's deciding whether or not you're going to stop it for the good of the fighter versus people like you and me wanting to see those final 27 seconds. So I, I also understand it from that perspective. I, I don't want to get too hard on these guys, but uh, yeah, that was, that was a tough one. I will say this. I hope that we see Chris Matino after he has the appropriate amount of time to heal from the the shots that he absorbed i want to see him in the octagon again i want to see him with a full camp getting ready for somebody that you know obviously sean o'malley's one of the best 135ers in the world uh, but i would like to see chris mutino have another opportunity against a ufc opponent with a full camp i i want to see what it looks like man because the guy's tough as nails so let's uh let's give him another opportunity yeah you want to see him get in there uh against a uh, you know Sean O'Malley's top fifteen in the world. You want to see him uh, get into a, get in there with a guy who's on his level. I mean, uh, Mutino definitely uh, shot for the stars uh, fight Sean O'Malley just to get his opportunity. So uh, you definitely want to see him fight a guy closer to his level, and you see how tough he is. So um, we really didn't get to see uh, a lot of his skills because he was just. I mean, if toughness is a skill, we saw that on display, but. Um, we didn't really get to see much of his game, uh, of his offensive game. So um, I think he'll absolutely get another opportunity. Um, a lot of fans uh, uh, went out of this uh, card remembering that, remembering yeah. his name, remembering that fight. So absolutely, he'll get another opportunity. All right, let's hit. Uh, we'll run through these prelims pretty quickly. The only, the only prelim fight that I didn't see much of was the feature prelim, Max Griffin and Carlos Condit, and that was because I was all set up to watch the fights outside, and then all of a sudden we had a hurricane, and I was uh, quickly, like, 
packing everything up, moving it inside. So I didn't get to see a lot of that fight. I saw bits and pieces, so I can't really comment too much on that fight. Um, you know, looking down the card, uh, Pereira Nico Price was as advertised. That was a wild fight. Once again, uh, Pereira just, you know, unpredictable as can be, but also, you know, has, you know, that gas tank issue is certainly there. And Nico Price going into the third, I mean, I thought he certainly had a chance to finish the fight. Um, you know, it, it goes uh, Pereira by decision, which I thought was the, the right situation. Ilya Taporia and Ryan Hall was one that I was really excited to see simply because of what Ryan Hall brings to the octagon. And uh, look, Taporia has, has been dubbed as one of the top prospects in the sport. I don't think we can call him a prospect anymore. I, I This guy has arrived. He is the real deal. Uh, he is a problem. And I thought to, to not only accept the Ryan Hall fight, but to look about as flawless as he did and to be as disciplined as he was against that kind of guy and get the finish, that, that was exceptional, dude. Yeah, these prelims were, uh, were awesome. And I think out of all the prelims, Taporia definitely... Uh, stood out the most to me uh, because no one wanted this fight with Ryan Hall. Um, he he had been struggling for two years to to just get a fight, and Taporia just saw this as an opportunity, and boy did he take it, man. Uh, I mean, just Ryan Hall was just he was trying so hard to get him to the ground, and Taporia was just staying disciplined. He didn't he never got rattled at all yeah. with all the crazy stuff that uh, that Ryan Hall was yeah. doing. He never got rattled, and when he Saw his opportunity to, to to pounce on him. He that's what exactly what he did. Uh, ended up getting the finish. Um, man, I can't say enough about him. Yeah, yeah, like you said, he's not a prospect anymore. Um, I definitely think he'll be looking at a top fifteen guy because Ryan Hall. I, I don't believe that he was ranked because he had been inactive. Right. But Ryan Hall definitely would have been a top fifteen guy had he been active. So I think Taporia for sure is going to be. Uh, in the top 15 or fighting a top 15 guy moving forward. Yeah, I, I love the discipline that he showed in that fight because, look, I, I think it's really easy for Ryan Hall to invite you into jumping on top of him and trying to just knock his head off. And that's not where you want to be with Ryan Hall. He will quickly turn that against you. And for as many times as he invited Taporia to go to the ground, I mean, I, I think... There were times that Ilya was definitely tempted to try and go for it, but yeah. he waited for the right time to land the big punch before he he made that jump and uh, just really impressive performance. And and uh, another one, I was really excited about the uh, Duplessis-Trevin Giles fight. I thought that was one of those fight-of-the-night candidates. And uh, Duplessis, once again, he's so unique with his movement inside the octagon. It's just... Uh, I don't know. It, it like stresses me out kind of like watching what you, you don't know where the shots are necessarily going to come from. It's just a very odd rhythm. And uh, I, I thought that was that was why Trevin Giles got caught. I, I think it just, you know, the, he kind of bursts from these these positions and movements where you wouldn't normally expect somebody to maybe burst. And uh, he's another guy that I, I really like in that uh, middleweight division. Yeah, so Trevin Giles landed a really good combination up against the fence. And DC says this all the time. He, he took a picture. So he kind of just um, uh, went back kind of with his hands down, kind of just kind of satisfied with what he did. And then Duplessis just saw that as an opportunity and just exploded uh, yeah. into a combination that uh, that knocked Trevor Giles down and eventually knocked him out. So, um, 
Yeah, Duplessis. I mean, he's got the size. He's got the. He's got a really good style. Um, I think he's going to be a really good uh, prospect in this uh, middleweight division. We knew that this fight was going to be exciting. Um, for as long as it lasted, it was pretty exciting. Uh, it was. It was definitely. Uh, fun to see the the awkward movements of both these guys because Trevor yeah. Giles has a has that awkward style too. Um, so uh, Duplessis looked great, um, and just when you see a guy like him and you just see uh, these divisions like how loaded they are, a guy like Duplessis isn't even ranked in in the UFC yet, but you see the potential. So these divisions are just getting more loaded by the second. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um... We can, uh, you ready to make some picks? Let's do it, man. All right. Uh, by the way, shout out to uh, Jennifer Maya, Brad Tavares, uh, Zuma Gulov, who also got wins to start that. That that card was ridiculously loaded from start to finish. It was, it was uh, full of exciting fighters and great matchups. And uh, I know everybody was disappointed with the outcome of the main event, but I thought the card from start to finish was fantastic and it absolutely delivered. So. All right, Will Brewer, you have a five-point lead going into this week. I cut the lead down from nine. Uh, You were on the wrong side of Aldana Kunitskaya. Uh, You were also on the wrong side of Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor. So I got three points for the main event with Dustin Poirier, one point for Aldana, and uh, the lead is at five. So it is within reach if we're on the opposite side of enough fights on Saturday night. UFC fight night, Mahashev. Moises. So we start with uh, Bantam or Featherweights, sorry, Featherweights. Billy Corintillo, 15 and 3, versus Gabriel Benitez, 22 and 8. Will Brewer. Ooh, this one's. This one's kind of tough. Um, I've seen a lot more of. Uh, oh, by the way, my bad. I forgot to give you uh, fight odds. Benitez is minus 220, Billy Q plus 172, according to oddshark.com. So I've seen, I've seen a lot more of, uh, of Billy, um, and he's 15 and three, like you said, but I think that Gabriel Benitez, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he got a big win, uh, in his last fight. I don't, I don't remember what fight card that was? I, I remember it was a fight night, but he got a really in impressive December win. over Justin Janes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think he looked really impressive in that fight. Um, I think Billy, Billy's solid. Uh, he was on a winning streak for a while, and then he uh, he lost his last fight. So I mean, despite Benitez being such a heavy favorite, I think I'm gonna go with. Uh, Billy Q. All right. Billy Q coming off a loss to Gavin Tucker. Uh, before that, he had a uh, eight or nine fight win streak. Um, I was I was going to go Billy Q here as well. Uh, I, 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 I just, he's, uh, I think he's well-rounded. He's just gritty, and, and I like that about him. Like, I, I just, I don't think there's anything inside the octagon that um, overwhelms him. I think he just, he welcomes whatever you're going to throw his way. Um, I was going to pick him, but uh, I'm ready ready to close this distance, Will. It's a (laughs) five-point lead. I'm ready to close this distance. So 
Um, I will, I'll take, I'll take the other side of that. I'll just take Benitez for the sake of competition. So, uh, there we go. Um, plus I, I don't know. There, there are some fights later on that I know for sure. I'm not going to go the other way on for the sake of competition. So there we go. All right. Fight number two on the main card Saturday night. We have middleweights Rodolfo Vieira, Vieira, seven and one overall. Dustin Stoltzfus, 13 and two overall. Oddshark.com has Vieta, or v- he's Brazilian, so is it Vieja? Uh, <laughs> minus 259, uh, Dustin Stoltzfus, plus 201. Uh, well, first of all, let me say, I think he is Brazilian, so I think it's uh, Vieta, you know, with the with the H, no R. So right. I think we'll go with that. Okay. Uh you know, I think his grappling is going to make a huge difference. I don't know much about uh, the the Dustin Stoltzfus guy. Uh, I don't know too much about him, but I know that um, vihad has got a really good uh, grappling base, uh, former Olympian and stuff. So um, I'm going to go with uh, Vieta. All right. Um, he, I believe, has lost two in a row. Uh, Stoltzfus was a contender series uh, alum from last year. I remember watching him fight last year, actually. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Vieta as well. Um, I'm t- I'm tempted, but uh, <laughs> come on, man. I'm tempted. Want to close this gap? We... <laughs> All right. You know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. I'll just take. I'll take the other side. Let's go. Let's yeah. do. You, you baited me into it. Uh, I'll take the other side. Dust, Dustin Stoltzfus. Uh, in the second fight. All right, so we are uh, opposite side of the first two. All right, back to the lightweight division. We have Matus Gamrot, 18-1 and one overall against Jeremy Stevens, finally getting his 155 fight. Will, 28-18 and 18 overall. Gamrot is a minus 225 favorite. Jeremy Stevens, plus 190. By the way, um, with the plus 201, Stoltzfus would be a bonus point situation for me. Ooh, okay, okay. So maybe I shouldn't have baited you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, uh, this fight, you know, Jeremy Stevens has a has the name. Um, hopefully, this fight happens. Hopefully, um, Jeremy doesn't do anything crazy in the weigh-ins and damage his opponent before the fight ever happens. But um, Jeremy Stevens is a veteran of this game. But you know, I think just the move up to lightweight, it's. Um, I'm not gonna say it's gonna affect him, but I think that. Um, I think these guys are going to be too big, uh, and you know these guys are just—they're so talented at lightweight. There's not really an easy fight, and just uh, hearing about uh, Gamrat, the, the the prospect that he is, uh, I think this is a big opportunity for him to go to come out and immediately make a splash at light at lightweight yeah. um, against a guy who has a name. So uh, I'm going with Gamrat in this one. Gamrot for me as well. He had a round two finish against Scott Scott Holtzman earlier this year. Um, and, you know, he's one of those guys. He only has two UFC fights, but obviously he's uh, been fighting for a while. He's a guy that I think give him a couple impressive wins, and all of a sudden you may see him skyrocket uh, as far as level of competition. But, uh, yeah, Gamrot for me as well. All right, our co-main event on Saturday night, UFC Fight Night, Mahashev Moises is uh, female bantamweights. We have Marion Renault and Will, the return of Misha Tate, who has not been active since 2016. 
Marion Renault is nine, seven, and one overall. Misha Tate, 18 and seven. Oddshark.com has Misha Tate as a minus 140 favorite, plus 110 for Marion Renault. Uh, you know, with this one, there's just a lot of questions because, uh, you know, Misha is a former bantamweight champion, but she was champion in 2016. And like we said, this sport has evolved from 2016 to 2021. Uh, she, she was the, you know, she lost to Nunez. Nunez has been the champion ever since. Um, I think her last fight was on that card that uh, Conor McGregor won the, the, the lightweight title on, became a double champion. That's so, correct. Yeah, Raquel Pennington. Yeah, so Misha Tate's been out for for a long time, and you know you, you don't know how active that she's been. I mean, as far as uh, what her training has looked like and everything, uh, she looks great. Um, uh, her body looks uh, outstanding. Uh, you know, she talks about all the things that she had to deal with um, with her former relationship and everything. So um, it's good to see Misha in a different headspace and see her happy and everything. Uh, it's crazy that she had to deal with all of that while being a champion, but uh, now it seems like she's got a renewed focus. Um, and I believe that this is Marion Renault's retirement fight. Um, sh- she's always been a-, a fighter who will like win one, lose one, uh, look good, kind of just uh, get kind of lose in a decision in the next one. So um, she's lost four I in a row, by the way. Oh, and four in a row at yeah. that. So. You know, Macy Chase on Raquel that, Pennington, Kunitskaya, and Katzengano, dating back to 2018. Well, th- th- well, in her defense, those aren't four easy fights at right. all. Um, those are four tough, tough uh, customers on that one. So, but um, I just think with Misha Tate's skill set, from what I do remember, uh, and I think that this is a fight uh, that Misha Tate should definitely win. But, you know, it, it, the question is, has this sport passed her by in her absence? That's my only question. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah. I, I mean, that's the, I, I think, like, the same Misha Tate showing up, um, I, I would favor her. But once again, the same questions that we asked about Connor being able to, the difference is this isn't Dustin Poirier on the other side, right? Like Right. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. So who's your pick? Did you, did you make your pick or did I miss it? Yeah, uh, Misha is my pick. Okay, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not for sure if I said it, but yeah, Misha is my pick. Okay, uh, go ahead. I was gonna pick Misha Tate, but uh, again, for the sake whoa, whoa, of whoa, whoa. Uh, whoa, you're not gonna do this on this one, are you? I am gonna do it on this one. <laughs> yeah, for the sake of taking the other side, I'm gonna go Marion Renault. Wow! I I'll just we look. I, I'll like just that. let's go with the active fighter against the fighter that's clearly the. I, I. I mean, look. I'm. I'm telling you right now. I was gonna pick Misha Tate. I. She's the more <laughs> talented of the two fighters. I believe that. Um, five. I, I think there's at least the question though of you know a five year absence. What that means to the octagon. So, um, it's worth the gamble. I, I'll. I'll just. It's worth the gamble to try and get a point here. That's a big question too, yeah. because she's that's a five year five years, yeah. yeah. I mean, and of course she was champion and everything, but how much is that going to affect her? That's a that's a very right. interesting question. But I I think like we're talking like we're talking about with Dustin and Connor, I don't think that the the layoff is going to affect her against yeah the Marion Renaults of the world. I think we might see that as she moves up in the ranks, but I think. Uh, this is a perfect fight for her to come back to uh, uh, someone who's lost four in a row, 
but uh, is still uh, a, yeah. a tough fighter. So Misha for me, but yeah, it'll be tough. Well, and I, I know with, uh, I mean, I guess, again, there's always an exception to the rule, but I feel 99% sure we're going to be on the same side of the main event. So uh, getting my <laughs> getting my spots in while I can. <laughs> All right, our main event on Saturday night, UFC Fight Night, Mahashev versus Moises. It's Islam Mahashev, 19-1 and one overall against Tiago Moises, 15-4 and four overall. Oddshark.com, Will, have you seen the odds for this fight yet? I, I haven't. Okay, uh, Islam is minus 500, Moises plus 375. Ooh, um... Well, I'm surprised that it was Moises who took this fight. Um, a lot of the fighters in the top 15 wasn't trying to fight Islam. And, you know, of course, when you have uh, someone like Khabib who's coaching you and you've got the style like Khabib who you just you see that he just mauls people. And then you see him with a, a little bit of a striking base. He's knocked people out before. Uh, Islam has all of the signs of being a future champion. Uh, he's got the style that can, that can maul you and he can also uh, stand with you. Uh, man, I don't see this fight being any different from any of his previous fights. Uh, I think it'll be a, a mauling for 25 minutes. But I think we will get to see how Islam uh, fights going into the later rounds. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I think Moises is tough enough to where he won't be finished. But... Um, I think that uh, this will be a Islam uh, 50-45, maybe a 10-8 round somewhere in there. But okay. yeah, Islam all day. I, uh, I I actually like Tiago Moises a lot. Um, right. And when I first saw these odds, at first I was like, I mean, is there that big of a gap? But I think when you just think about the way the fight's going to go, I mean, yeah. I, I, Moises, I think, would just have to catch him with a big shot. And that's that, to me, is the only path. I, I just... Mahashev just completely overwhelms you and smothers you. And um, I was trying to think, I I believe he will be a champion at 155. Like I, I, there's no question in my mind at some point he's going to have that belt. My, my question is like, how long is it going to take for him to get those fights? Like two years from now to say that he's not the champion. I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's two years, but this guy is a problem in this division. And I don't know that anybody has the ground game to to hang with him if they don't catch him with the big blow he's gonna get it on the mat and he's going to completely smother you i i i'm with you i think it's a dominant performance i'll go finish here uh so islam with a finish uh let's go round three but uh yeah i i think he's just i mean he's miles ahead i think of everybody in this division a lot like habib was you know when it hits the mat yeah, uh, definitely miles ahead of so many of these top 15 guys. Uh, that's why nobody wants to fight him because you know you, it's hard to look good against a guy who completely yeah. smothers you and overwhelms you. So, um, I mean, I definitely could see a finish happen, but you know, I'm 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 throwing out some respect to uh-huh. Tiago Moises just because of how tough he is. But I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't like where this is headed for him, but I I, I just definitely see a dominant performance from Islam. Dude, and I didn't I, think I, Drew Dober I, was going to get finished either. That's true. That's that's definitely true. And I kind of put you know, Moises and Drew Dober in a. In, I, I kind of feel like they're in a a really similar talent level. Or or if we're going to put like one fifty five in tiers, I'd probably have Moises and and Drew Dober on the same tier. 
Yeah, I'll tell you what, I forgot that he finished Drew Dober, but he did finish Drew Dober. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, yeah, it's very likely that he could finish him. Uh, Islam does uh, chase that finish, so uh, he's not someone who that's just going to want to let this go out uh, 25 minutes. So, you know, you never know. And I think after, uh, with the win, especially with the dominant win, uh, yeah. these top 15 guys or top 10 guys at that, because Islam is uh, a top 10 guy, uh, these guys aren't going to be able to avoid him anymore. Um, I think one of these top guys, especially five, six, seven, eight, you know, one of these yeah. guys is going to have to fight Islam next. You stack up, a, you stack up enough wins, then at some point it's unavoidable. But right. you speed up that timeline when you're finishing people, and for Islam again, like I, I don't think anybody wants to to get him. But you, you finish Drew Dober, you finish Tiago Moises, like. At some point, you become undeniable, and people have to have to take you take you on. So, I think it's even more important for him uh, to get these finishes because, again, like Habib was popular because he he fights an unpopular style, but he dominates you. Like if you're gonna fight a style that the fans don't necessarily like, it better be so overwhelming that they have no choice but to respect you for it. So I, I think Islam is also in that category where I think he's just he's gonna he needs to really dominate people with that style and get finishes along the way. Yeah, and if he's able to get these finishes, he's got um, he's got a few really good matchups to look forward to. Um, I don't want to jump too far ahead because I want to give respect to Moises, but. I mean, he's been in in these uh, in his media session that he had. He talked about retiring Tony Ferguson. He talked about fighting RDA. I really, to be honest, I really want to see RDA and Islam fight. I think that's the perfect matchup if, yeah. if Islam is able to win this fight. But even if it's Tony Ferguson, you know, we never got to see uh, Habib and Tony fight. Islam and Tony, I mean, it wouldn't be the same. Mm. But, I mean, I, I, I would love to see that fight, too. My appetite for that fight is strictly from the shit talking that will take place with Habib and Tony leading up to that fight. <laughs> but I, I'll be honest with you, man. Like, as somebody that really appreciates Tony Ferguson, I I, I don't want to see that fight. Like, think about what Charles Oliveira did to him on the ground. Think about what Benil Darius did to him on the ground. And then you throw Islam against this dude, like, at this stage. <laughs> like, I, I think that's... Uh, it, round one finish potentially. I mean, it's it, Islam's just that skilled on the ground. Yeah, and then when he when he, when he talks, you know, he said, "I want to help him retire." <laughs> like, wow, who says stuff like yeah. that about these legends? So, yeah, um, Islam, he, he definitely has all the makers of being a star, um, but he's got he's got to go out there and be dominant in this fight with Moises. Yeah. All right, my friend, uh, three points up for grabs on Saturday night. So uh, once again, going into next week, you will still have the lead whichever way this goes. But uh, best of luck, and uh, we will catch up again next week. All right, my brother, have a good one.
the podcast is over.